This is an ABC7 News special. It's back to school, but there's still no escaping the violence. We are tired of losing our children to senseless violence. I'm concerned, uh, uh, first of all, about her safety and then about her academically. How lowering the dropout rate can help reduce the violence. If they drop out and they don't make it, then they will greet you when you don't necessarily want to be greeted. We want to rally everyone behind getting every single child in school. There are no good options out there for children that aren't in school. Defying the odds from the city's roughest neighborhood. You have to keep the strength and keep pushing so that one day something will change. Stop the violence. Lessons and alternatives. Now, here are ABC7's Ron Majors and Cheryl Burton. Good evening, everybody. After one of the most violent school years in Chicago history, the challenges of a new school year are here. Last spring, at the end of the school year, we held a roundtable discussion with a panel of city leaders in a search for solutions to stop the violence. And tonight, during the next half hour, we'll be joined by the CEO of Chicago Public Schools, a group of community leaders and a dozen Chicago high school students as we take a look at lessons and alternatives in helping to stop the violence. We lost a young girl, gunned down by a punk. More than 30 Chicago public school children were killed during the last school year, and with a new school year now underway, the violence continues. On a single day earlier this month, four teenagers were the victims of separate shootings on the south side. 14-year-old Dalvin Miller of Sexton Elementary School was killed. These are our children. All of us must take responsibility. Last spring's fatal shooting of 16-year-old Blair Holt enraged a community fed up with gun violence. Someone else's child and that child's violent behavior became our living nightmare. Reverends Jesse Jackson and Michael Flager were arrested after leading demonstrations at a suburban gun shop. We want to stop the killing machine. We can either sit at cemeteries and mourn, or we can fight and change the laws. In the community, things are very tough. And again, I think there aren't easy answers. Earlier this month, Blair Holt's parents approved a public service announcement paying tribute to the slain honor student, the video ending with the sound of gunfire. Joining us tonight is Chicago Public School CEO Arnie Duncan. Now, there has been some progress made. There have been some proactive measures taken to stem the violence. There was a big announcement this fall about a new program to keep kids involved in school, mostly after-school programs. Is the purpose just to keep them out of harm's way, or what does it accomplish? Well, I think that's a small piece of the answer. We want to keep our schools open 12, 13, 14 hours a day. Yes, to keep the students safe. There's no place safer for our students to be than in our schools. But the idea of schools being open six days, six hours a week just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And so we need to keep our schools open much longer hours, 12, 13, 14 hours a day, six days a week, 11 months out of the year. We're hoping to add an additional 50,000 students in after-school programming this year which is a huge step in the right direction. But quite frankly, Ron, it's only what we can afford to do, not what we need to do. We're going from 110 to 150 community schools. Every school should be a community school. Every school should be open these longer hours. And we have to continue to push until we have the funding so that becomes the norm rather than the exception. It sounds relatively easy keeping schools open longer, but 
you're talking about huge chunks of dollars. It's a huge investment, and we're pushing very, very hard of our scarce resources to expand dramatically in this area. But again, we shouldn't have to do that. At some point, Illinois is 49th out of 50 states in the amount of money going to public education. At some point, that fundamentally broken funding formula in this state has to change. So again, every child has these kinds of opportunities. How many kids can you help? at present with after-school programs? We're going to reach probably just over half our students, which is a huge step in the right direction. But what breaks my heart is we actually have waiting lists of students who want to come to school on Saturdays. We're going from 100 schools open on Saturdays to 200 schools. On the community schools program, it's unbelievable. We get all these national awards for being the, the you know, national leader for the community schools initiative. But we're going from 110 to 150 schools. We have over 600 schools. We're only a quarter of the way there, if that. And so we have a long, long way to go. Steps in the right direction, Cheryl. Well, Ron, the deadly violence against these students happened off school grounds. Many students depend on public transportation and travel long distances every day just to get out of harm's way and to have a fighting chance academically. Well, we want you to meet 15-year-old Raven Tillman, who travels from the Washington Heights neighborhood on Chicago's south side to Lincoln Park High School on the city's north side. Also, we want you to meet 18-year-old Dallas Wright, who travels with his sister Camille from Morgan Park on the far south side to Walter Payton School on the near north side. Tonight, their stories in their own words. Monday starts every day at 5.15. I'm usually showered and dressed, ready to go by 5.30, 5.40. I eat what breakfast I can. I don't like the fact that they have to get up so early in the morning to go. I wish they could stay in bed for an extra hour. Ray, it's time to get up. It does get tiring. You get up at 5 o'clock and then you get on these trains and you have to make sure you get off at your right stop. And then by the middle of the day, I'm just wore off on my journey, but then I just find a way to pull it together. Raven and I decided that she should go to Lincoln Park because academically, out of the schools that she applied for, it was the best. Actually, there wasn't any uh, consideration for the neighborhood schools. They've gone to the gifted regional center, and so they've never gone to school in the community. So the idea was always for them to transition to uh, selective enrollment high school. And unfortunately, they're none on the south side. <laughs> I think the Metro is safer. It may or may not be, but the $57 extra I pay each month gives me a peace of mind. While I'm on route going to the north side, I don't really think about it as much, but when I'm on route back to the south side, I am sort of more alert about who I'm with. Protection-wise, there's not really much to worry about at, at a school like this. There was a shooting at Harlan, and by that point, I had about two friends in Harlan who said they were there, and one of them wasn't really that far away from what happened. And I'm like, I couldn't even be that close to anything like that. I remember uh, when uh, one of the kids was killed uh, this past summer, um, I told Raven, oh, Raven, there's another child dead. And she said, oh, goodness, Mom, um, what's happening? Practice gets out 4.45, 5 o'clock. I'm usually on my way to the train at about the latest 
that puts me home in the house at 6.30, ready to eat and then homework. Um, DMV meeting Friday at 0700. A debate day is the vicinity of a tournament. I might be there until six or seven. When I come back home, it's probably eight or nine o'clock, which probably allots me an hour or two to do my homework and then go to bed. Raven takes her participation on the debate team very seriously. She wants to become an actress or an attorney. As for Dallas, he aspires to be a journalist. Ron? Students traveling long distances to get to school, that's not a new trend, but it is a growing one. The Consortium on Chicago Schools at the University of Chicago recently studied this issue. It found that upwards of 50% of African-American high school age students commute outside their neighborhoods to attend school. The reasons? They are often the same. Some of the schools with the lowest achievement in the city are you know, 100% African-American schools. So besides the, the pull factor of a lot of the magnet schools and the high-achieving schools, there's also the push factor that students don't want to go to their neighborhood school if they see it as very low-achieving or as unsafe. Now, Arnie, this was a problem 30 years ago when I had to do the same commute, but it seems they're even further to go, and the schools they want to get into are even harder to get into. What is the CPS doing about this? Well, obviously, the goal is to make every school a neighborhood school a choice. Mm -hmm. And so if students want to travel, that's, that's a good thing, but we want to make every school a great, great option. We're trying to do a number of things. We've added, actually, select enrollment schools. Your old school, Lynn Bloom, we've brought back online. It's doing a great job. King High School is back, so we're creating great options in the African-American community. But at the end of the day, we want to create a great portfolio of options and let students figure out what's the best learning environment for them. We're trying to get away from the one-size-fits-all comprehensive high school, which I think often doesn't work, create smaller schools. And if you have a school that focuses on you know, a, a selective enrollment curriculum, an international baccalaureate curriculum, vocational mm -hmm. education, you create a range of options. The military academies are very popular. Create a range of options and let the child and their parents figure out what's the best learning environment for that child. At this time, we want to introduce the rest of our panel. Diane Latiker is founder of Kids Off the Block, a nonprofit organization that works to help at-risk kids avoid gangs, violence, and bad life choices. Philip Jackson is executive director of the Black Star Project. That organization is committed to eliminating the academic achievement gap between races. And Meredith Rodriguez of Build Chicago. Meredith is an education outreach specialist who works with high school dropouts. And Cheryl, we have some other folks in the studio with us. We always like to have the student's perspective on what's going on. We have a student who has a question he wants to ask our panelists. What's your name and what school do you attend and what grade are you in? My name is Wesley Keyes. I attend Gwendolyn Brooks College Prep on the far south side. And what I wanted to ask is, how can you keep students from being targeted by other students from different schools because of what school they go to? It's a good question. Panels? Peer uh, pressure. Well, well, we at the Black Star Project, uh, we recently negotiated some differences uh, between three high schools in the same locale. I, I won't mention the high schools, but the principals came to us and they were worried about students uh, becoming engaged probably in violence. And so we actually set the students down from all three schools. And what they found out, they had more things in common than they had differences. So uh, by learning who your uh, neighbors are, who, who the people at your neighborhood schools are, that is one way to, to reduce that kind of uh, uh, potential for violence. Ms. Latiker, you have after school programs. You had them for a long time. Suddenly the Chicago Public Schools are on board. They got after school programs. Yeah, are, they, uh, are they encroaching on your territory? Or what's the balance here? No, actually I think it would be a great partnership. 
Um, I would love for to be involved in, which we have been Curtis Elementary School <coughs> last year, but I love the, the, um, the fact that we're able to go into the schools and offer the youth programs that the school might not be able to. And then we have such a, um, like the youth are just overjoyed that we're there because otherwise they wouldn't get this type of program. And as I'd like to comment though on what you just asked about the youth from different schools. Um, young man, um, it's not about the school that you go to. It's the gangs, the environment in the school. It's that I've, I've literally rode the bus, the Cottage Grove bus, block to block to get students of kids off the block, off the bus. And the reason that was was because they were calling me because they couldn't get off on each corner of a different school. So it's real. It's not, you can go and talk to other youth, but unless that element comes out of that school or something is done to create a different environment, it's not going to stop. Ms. Rodriguez, you work with high school dropouts, and uh, we know it's a problem when kids drop out of school, yet they get involved in a gang, yet they hang around, yet they come back to try and influence their old friends at school. Is that just an everyday problem? A lot of times these kids feel pushed out. Mm. You know, they don't feel as though they would necessarily, that they dropped out. They feel pushed out. Mm. And, um, you know, they have their own ideology about how, what the school is all about. You know, so sometimes they do come and they try to influence, you know, uh, the other youth to join them. They get in the way of education. Yes, they, at times they can. Well, let's you hear know? what some of the youth have to say about that. They've been listening to some of your responses, <coughs> and many of them have been raising their hands and, and eyebrows, actually, because they want to respond to what's being talked about. What's your first name and last name and your school that you attend in the grade? My, my, my first name is Abdullah. My last name is Brewer. I attend Corliss High School, and I'm a senior. And I feel that if we had more activities in the school, like what, what Ms. Diane Latica is doing in her organization to keep the kids off the streets, the kids will come if it's activities that's fun. They don't want to be in the activities that's going to lock them down, that will lock them down and have them feeling like they're in jail or demanded to do something. And If you had an activity, specifically, what would you like to see if you had the opportunity to make a plan up? What would you like to participate in? Like our swimming pool at Corliss. Our swimming pool don't work. It ain't been working since my freshman year. And I always, when I was in grammar school, we had a swimming pool, and I always liked swimming, and that's what kept me there. I never wanted to leave it. So if we had a swimming pool there, I believe I'd stay there longer. I know we had social center growing up and that was from three to six in the afternoon and that saved a lot of children's lives and it opened a lot of children up to different things. They used the library to research science projects and artwork. They used the lunchroom to do board games and they used the gymnasium and the swimming pool which was for the special education students and the children with special needs and they used it for the after school and it seemed to work then. Is that the point of the after-school programs that we're spending money on? That's exactly the point. And as we've opened these community centers, community schools, we only do it with a nonprofit from the community. We don't want to do it ourselves. So we've had great partnerships with many local nonprofits. We've actually had a couple of boys and girls clubs close their doors, put all their money into children, into tutoring and mentoring, and out of you know buildings and facilities. And these are real uh, community partnerships. And it is a real culture change for the Chicago Public Schools. Historically, quite frankly, that the community was locked out and uh, wasn't invited in. We're trying to dramatically change that. And again, while this may have been a little bit of a hard sell at first of our schools, now we have a huge waiting list. We'd love to continue to expand this exponentially based upon the resources. And somebody watching in the suburbs is gonna be stunned to hear him say, 
We had a swimming pool when I was a freshman, and we haven't had one since then. Yeah, well, that's it, a reality it, of some it's, schools. It's a real challenge. Again, I you know I hate to beat beat a dead horse in this one, but we've had no capital funding from the state for four years, zero capital dollars. So there's huge unmet capital need, and this we have a funding system that's fundamentally broken, and we need everyone. It's not just Chicago; it's just a statewide issue. We have to get Springfield to become responsive to the youth, not just in Chicago but around the state. The constructive engagement of young people after 3 o'clock is so important. Mm -hmm. If you look at the Chicago police blotter, there's a spike in crime of young people between 3 o'clock mm -hmm. and 7 o'clock. And the biggest reason for that is there's really nothing or not very much for them to do. And so I applaud what, what Arne Duncan is doing and what the panelists are doing in terms of providing effective uh, after-school programs. But it's a bigger problem than that. Most of the violence that we're talking about here it didn't occur in the school. It was brought to the school's door or it <coughs> happened in the community. And therefore, a big part of the solution to a lot of what we're talking about is going to come from the community. That's going to come in terms of more parental involvement. It's going to come in terms of churches opening up their doors mm -hmm. as well as schools. Mm -hmm. It's going to come in terms of public policies coming out of Springfield, out of Washington, D.C., supported by dollars that are going to help stem this tide of violence. And right now, just as Mr. Duncan said, uh, there is no real comprehensive plan to make any of this happen. We know there is an alarming dropout rate among Chicago public school students. Support systems for students are vital for success, with role models being very important. We get more on that from ABC7's Charles Thomas. The ninth graders are members of Kenwood Academy's Class of 2011. The speakers in blue t-shirts are senior mentors who stress the importance of being here every day. If you don't come to school, you cannot get in a pep rally. You cannot get into homecoming and none of the fun things that we have coming up. Look elsewhere at Kenwood and you'll see seniors and juniors individually palling around with freshmen and sophomores. Senior Iman Hill and sophomore Stacy Stewart belong to a club called Ladies Lounge. We discuss everything from relationships to, you know, school. I can look to her and say, well, yeah, she's doing it, so I can do it too. It's inspiration in the people that you're hanging around. Getting freshmen and sophomores, who studies say are the students most likely to quit school, paired with older student role models, is the centerpiece of Kenwood's effort to reduce the dropout rate. The connections are made through a variety of over 50 clubs and teams, all encouraged by the administration here to include and support the younger students. If you get a student to join a club or a team, Typically, if they don't come to school for any other reason, they, they're excited about that team and club. So that sometimes is what really attracts them to come to school every day. It appears to be working. Charles Merrick, a senior in the Brotherhood Club, remembers joining three years ago. The seniors that were there when I was a freshman, it helped me like make it through it and gave me the drive that I needed, like the influence, because I was seriously ready to give up. I want to eventually end up like Charles. I want to be able to help freshmen once I get to the um, upper class here. The most recent independent study reports that 46% of CPS students who enter ninth grade do not graduate. And among African-American males, the dropout rate exceeded 61%. District officials hope their new focus on freshmen and sophomores will dramatically reduce those rates within three to four years. 
Dropouts get the worst paying jobs, if they get jobs at all, are more likely to get involved in gangs, drugs, and violence, and they were 54% of the people sentenced to Illinois prisons last year. Kenwood Academy's principal, Elizabeth Kirby, called the dropout crisis a signal that traditional support systems in public schools must change. I don't buy into you have to, if you throw a lot of money at a situation, it's going to get better. Because if the infrastructure isn't strong, it doesn't really matter how much money you put into it. And so I really, what I respect about the direction of Chicago Public Schools is that we are building infrastructures to support students. One solution and alternative that is working in Chicago Public Schools. And the CEO, Arnie Duncan, wants to talk about the popularity and the success of this program and how it's impacting the students. It, it's so important, and we're, we're pleased. Our dropout rate is going down every single year, but one dropout is one too many. There are no good jobs out there without a high school mm -hmm. diploma. You're basically guaranteed social failure. Mm -hmm. And I'm so pleased for you to highlight uh, what we have is we have young people exerting what I call positive peer pressure. And we have tens of thousands of students doing the right thing every single day that the media never focuses on and helping each other. And I think if you want to talk about answers and solutions, our students themselves are going to be a huge part of that answer. Mm -hmm. Your programs at Kenwood, like the Brotherhood, like Focus, their upperclassmen, the hip kids, the cool kids, are taking those freshmen sophomores under their wing and saying this is what it takes to be successful. And you're going to have some hard times and we're going to help get you through that. And so we're replicating those programs in neighborhood schools around the city. And again, I think our young people are going to be a huge part of the answer themselves. We gave the alarming statistics about the dropout rate and they end up with Meredith after they don't stay in school. Meredith, you usually talk to them. And the mission of your program, you said you want to create a life plan. How do you get the mindset of a student who has dropped out to create a life plan when they think there is no life? That's why they drop out. Well, I think one of the things that um, is beneficial to the student is that they're working with mentors that they themselves have been there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that identity right there, identification with, you know, the person that they're working with is really, really important. Well, well we've seen a couple of things with this uh, dropout issue. Uh, first of all, high dropout rates at various schools seem to have a, a perverse relationship to violence in the community. Mm -hmm. And where we find more violence in the community, we find lower rates of academic achievement. Mm -hmm. And so there is that relationship that's fueling each other. However, what we have found is that dropping out of school is less of an event that happens at the ninth or 10th grade and more of a process that actually starts mm -hmm. in elementary schools. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the trigger usually is the inability to compete academically at either the third or fourth grade. So when we find boys, and that, that astounding figure of 61% of black boys not wow. graduating, that actually, what we have found, starts in elementary school because they're not reading, uh, they're not computing, and they're not able to do the work. And so one of the things that we want to do is absolutely make sure that when these boys are in second, third, fourth, and fifth grade, that they are working at grade level and achieving. And actually, Cheryl, as you look at these students who uh, are all in school, I guess the numbers are that about 40% of the freshmen that they started school with are gone now for every school across the board on average. Yes, and I believe that, I'm, I'm on a situation they was just talking about, I believe that most of the students, they drop out because of the violence. Mm. Like my little sister, she wasn't going to school for a whole year because of something where two females disliked her and they tried to fight her every day, so she didn't go to school to avoid it. 
As we discuss role models and mentors, we cannot neglect the influence of parents, and specifically fathers. This school year started with the Million Father March, an event geared to show children that the men in the community were both excited and concerned about their education. It was organized by the Black Star Project, which also hosts monthly field trips for fathers and their children. The group encourages men to also bring children who may not have a father living at home. It's not degrading the mother figure because the mom has been uh, supportive and caring, but the, the male figure in the family gives a more stronger, more of, um, how would I say, they, they have more of a discipline control. Well, many studies indicate that students with disciplinary problems perform better academically when there isn't an active father at home. But here's the reality. I did a little research today, and nearly half of all inner-city students live in homes headed by single women, and almost one-third live in poverty. And Philip Jackson, part of the mission of your organization is to work within the community to improve parental involvement, student and child development. How do you do that when we're missing parents in the home? Uh, it's a very difficult thing to do, but, but it has to be done. We build structures much like what you saw. We take every opportunity to get fathers, to get mothers, to get grandparents involved in the educational lives of their children. Uh, what we have found is that without that involvement of a parent or parent structure in the life of a child, the children generally struggle. And when you've got parents involved, when you've got communities involved, children do well. I'm worried about the, the child that's standing on the corner that uh, hasn't been to school in a year, that, that gets D's and F's every time he goes to school because he's fighting because of his issues at home. I'm wondering who's fighting for him to get him back in school and back on the right track because he's, go he's never going to be an A and B student because of his issues at home and until they're addressed, he has no future to me. So, and he doesn't believe he has one, so he's not going to go within the school in the first place. So this is, the, this is the kid that wants to do all the violence, that wants to do the robberies because he doesn't see a way out. Hello, my name is um, Eldridge Betts. I'm actually an alumni from Prosser. And I can definitely say that a mentor, I didn't have a father in my home, but I can definitely say that my chef would be a good mentor. So it's people around me that help me get to who I am. Okay, there's CCAP, um, there's uh, education to career. So it's the programs that we need to be in place inside the school where then we feel more comfortable and where then they're helping us with our homework and they're helping us with our curriculum and they're helping us outside of home. My chef has stayed at the school seven, eight, nine o'clock have me prepare for the real world. Are the students asking for the help though? Are your friends who don't have father figures in the home, are they saying, I'd like some help? I'd, where can I go? I said I'd like some help. Yeah. And that's how it got started. And that's Aisha? how it got started. Aisha, mm -hmm. you, you wanted to say something? Um, like Mr. Arnie Duncan said before, he said most kids feel like they are abandoned and that, well, the way that I see it and have been seeing it since I've been coming up, that's where most of the gang members come from. They feel like they can't depend on nobody. They can't trust nobody. So someone right here who's saying, come on with me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to feed you, be, be what you need. 
Well, we have a beautiful success story we want to share with you right now because one of the toughest neighborhoods in the country is Inglewood. It's located on the city's south side. And according to the Chicago Police Department, Inglewood has the city's highest murder rate. ABC 7's Ben Bradley has the story of a student who's been beating the odds while attending Inglewood's Lindblom High School. The halls are empty, classrooms are vacant. It is the last week of summer vacation, but in one room, one dedicated group of students is hitting the books. More than that, it was a capitalist venture. What is it about this group of kids, some from Chicago's roughest neighborhoods, that has them committed to their education and constantly trying to achieve more? You have to keep the strength and keep pushing so that one day something will change. 15-year-old Michelle Rashad lives in the heart of Chicago's Inglewood neighborhood. Gangs, guns, and drugs are a way of life for some on these streets, but not her. And my dad's always pushing us to be better, and he points out, like, oh, you don't want to be like that because, like, as you see, that you're making moves. Michelle used the final days of summer vacation to get a head start on advanced placement courses she's taking so she can get into a top university. The rest of her summer break was spent in China, where she and other students earned a scholarship to study Mandarin Chinese. Overseas, Michelle gained perspective that educators say is rare among many inner city kids. You have to get to a point where you see beyond whatever is the here and now and be able to, look, to reflect on what's happening and be able to look forward. Michelle also has had the benefit of two parents at home who have always emphasized the importance of education to Michelle and her nine siblings. When she returned to Chicago from China, Michelle noticed many of the same people in her neighborhood doing many of the same things. Their stagnation is her inspiration. When I went to China and like people hang out on the corner and I come back and they're still there, but I already made moves and I'm moving and they can, I don't know, in my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Solutions and alternatives. We hope that we presented some of them to you tonight. We want to thank all of our panelists and the students for joining us. Even though our broadcast portion of this program is about to conclude, we want to invite you to log on to our website, abc7chicago.com, and you will hear much more of the discussion we've all joined in tonight. Thank you very much for watching, and good night. We're going to continue our discussion with the youth of America and find We're going to continue our discussion with the youth of America and find out what's on their hearts. What are they thinking about and the challenges they face every day trying to get an education? Um, since we have came back to school since September 4th, 
The classes have been filled from about 30 students to 35 students. Um, not enough desks to provide for the students, not enough books. I wanted to know why um, so much money was being put into the correctional facilities instead of, instead of building more colleges and more schools for our youth to attend to, instead of thinking so quick that, okay, well, since he turned 18, he's, he's county bound, or since he turned 18, he's, he's ready to go to jail, instead of thinking, okay, well, this person may have a future. This person may want to go to college. This person mm -hmm. wants a life instead of get, throwing it away. Very good question. When I turn 18, yes. And you, and you <laughs> promise to vote every time? I promise. Because you can do probably as much with your vote as you can with a discussion of these community leaders. What you're talking about is a philosophical issue, and it's a debate we've had for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad you've raised it, and I'm also glad you promised to vote. You had a question? <laughs> Eric? Did you want to say something? You haven't spoken up, and you were very vocal before we got started. If you don't, if you don't, you don't have to. Al, go ahead. You, you, you always have something interesting to say. Well, I don't know if this uh, has anything to do with you, uh, Sir Ernie Dunn, but I was just wondering, uh, as my sister and as my brothers continue to be in the CPS, um, how are they supposed to get to school with? the doomsday with the CTA and them relying on public transportation. Uh, single parent home I was raised in, single parent home it still is. It's very, it was very hard. I had to work two jobs to help keep them going with my mother, along with my brother. All of us pitched in. It was very hard to get to school. Sometimes I had to have my grandfather. My grandfather passed away. Is there any funds, anything to help with CTA or is there anything planned to help the students get to school? Because it's going to be a bigger dropout. It's going to be a huge dropout. I'm sure Mr. Duncan wants to talk about an agency that has fiscal <laughs> problems at least as bad as his own. Well, first of all, let me just commend Elridge and all of our young people for their extraordinary commitment to their futures. And this is part of why this job is so exhilarating to me, is we have young mm -hmm. people who are absolutely committed to beating all the odds, working two jobs, supporting their brothers and sisters, helping them get to school. Um, we, we are also very worried about the CTA situation. We know so many of our yeah. students travel in the CTA, family stretch to get that money. We're hoping Springfield can really step up to the plate. But again, this is where Mr. Majors talked about people voting. We actually want to take 100,000 people to Springfield this spring. All of our high schools, teachers, parents, community leaders, religious leaders, business leaders, to say what's going on in Illinois is a disgrace. We're 49th out of 50 states in the amount of money going to public education. It's a dismal funding record. and We fundamentally have to challenge that, change that status quo. So I hope you'll join us as we go down to Springfield this spring to really challenge these issues and try and fundamentally change our state's priorities. Wesley? Uh, yes, going back to what Mr. Jackson said about the, uh, the curriculum, I'm not saying lower your standards. I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying that because you're exactly right. We have to compete against kids all over the world, you know, once we graduate from high school. But, th I'm, you know, think about what she said. You're not me. You know, your standards or your abilities may not match mine. You know, because I know my abilities certainly do not match some of my peers. And because, like, an 80% in some of my classes is a D. I remember when I used to be happy to get an 80%. I used to think an 80%, you know, was, you know, great. You know, now when I see 80% of my paper, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, that's very discouraging because I feel like I have to, 
if I don't get a 95, I'm, you know, I'm useless. That's how, I'm not saying lower your standards, but you know, the curriculum is, is really, the grading, set, the grading scale is extremely high and the curriculum is very rigorous. You know, again, I'm not saying lower your standards, yeah. but can you please do something to help us? I'm interested in, in whether you think we've found you. Are you in the right area in school? Are you studying the things that interest you? Is there... Oh, yes, completely. Like, I'm taking, right now, I'm taking uh, network design, and uh, that's basically a computer class. And at the end of this class, I have the opportunity to take a, uh, a test where I can be A-plus certified, which basically means... Uh, any simple, you know, computer problem that somebody doesn't know how to uh, doesn't know how to fix it, they could come to me, and I'd be able to fix that. And it's also they also have um, after like after school programs and all that. But still, even in uh, the computer class, the greatness scale is extremely high. Like a seventy, if you get a seventy-four, that's an F. I mean, so that's Wesley, ridiculous. what are your future plans? My, what would you? What do you see yourself doing in five years? or two years? In two years, I see myself graduating high school with a 4.2 GPA and on my way to either Southern Illinois or Howard University. You know, being able to major uh, in African American studies or, and minor in music. Now you realize going to Howard, you are competing with some of the top echelons. In, so when <laughs> Mr. Jackson is talking about competition and being prepared, Prepared an opportunity meeting together is the future, and that's I mean, what he's that's what he's trying to say. Well, I completely understand well, may, what may, he's trying may, to say. May, may, I, may I tell him what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I study statistics, and what this is what the statistics say. They say that African American students, like yourself, all over the country, are at the rock bottom of the American education system, and what they say is that uh, on tests like the ACT. This past year, 2007, every racial category in this country, whites, Asians, Latinos, and Native Americans, went up. Black kids went down. Now, that's what they say. And so when I say, I, I'm not talking about uh, 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 you doing things that you can't do, because you said that our two levels might not be the same. I'm certain that your level is higher than my level, first <laughs> of all. However, we as a community, we as a people, we have got to make a concerted effort to put all of our emphasis on education because we are so far behind. And if you and the rest of your classmates and we and our families and our communities don't focus on education, I believe that we have entered into a period called educate or die that we're not going to be able to make it as a people. And I am so happy that you as one person has high aspirations. Our communities have got to have high aspirations. And then for the, the, the young man who talked about how hard it is for single parent families, my only hope and my only request is that we as young black men don't create single parent families. And all of that will be a, a big step in, in the right direction for us. Erica? Well, my name is Erica Barbin. I go to Curie High School, and I believe highly in challenging and taking the challenge. I was raised to, you know, go s if I wanted to go somewhere, I have to take the challenge. But what about the ones that are, don't have the support, that don't know how to take the challenge? They don't know how to do it. They lost their self-worth. They lost their self-value. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to take that e extra step. 
my friend, um, he was accepted to get into this um, um, Northern Trust um, bank, and he looks like he told me that he couldn't take it, but didn't tell me why. And you could see that it was um, fear that he's scared to take the step, the next step. Now we need people to help them yes. get up there. How could we? How could they find them? And how could the people come to them to make that happen? I, I think we have to continue to have community members again, mentors, role models, teachers step up and really help to fill that void because no child should be alone and no child should be fear uh, scared of what's going to happen. I would also argue again that the kinds of programs at Kenwood Academy where the juniors and seniors are taking those younger underclassmen under their wings, this positive peer pressure and positive support. I know literally of many, many students at Kenwood who either dropped out or thought about dropping out due to difficulties at home who came back to school because their friends, their, their peers said this is the right thing to do. There's nothing out there on the streets. Let me help you with those issues. And so I think the more you can talk to your friends, the more our teens are part of the solution, the better we're going to do collectively. There are, I think it's more, I mean, we started off with this segment stating, and Mr. Duncan had stated that we can't use one curriculum to address a whole population of interests, right? And I don't, I'm not saying so much as that you don't have the ability. I think the interest is different. It's not the ability, I believe, each youth, each person has the ability to do whatever they want to do, be whoever they want to be, you know. But what is their interest, you know? Um, and one of the things that we do as we gear towards the youth interest, you know, that's the strength that we're trying to bring mm -hmm. out. We can't take a, a, a youth and just put them into a class that, you know, is not interesting to them because they mm -hmm. will automatically shut mm -hmm. down, exactly. you know, shut out and forget about, look, I don't want to learn this, you know. And then the other thing we need to take into consideration is where the research studies coming from. Who are they going up against? Mm -hmm. You know, if we're going up against a population that's already in a high achievement academy, you know, as high, considered high, highly achieved, well, yeah. I mean, you're dealing with a system, uh, a population that has to deal with a system mm -hmm. that is um, working with, as one of the you said earlier today, you know, a book that is outdated, you know, um, um, technology that is outdated. I mean, you, you can't say, um, well, let's do this study on this particular race and let's do this study on this particular race and see if we have the same outcome if if it's going to be a biased research study you can't do that and what about the statistics if the, i mean that's overwhelming evidence just as like phil just said i mean 61 percent is that not telling us that there's something wrong here not that the student is he, he doesn't have the capacity to do the work but that there's something wrong here with maybe the curriculum Maybe it should have been stopped earlier because it shouldn't exactly. have gotten to that point. It shouldn't place have gotten to that point. Where, and why are they struggling so to keep mm -hmm. up with it? Yeah. And why do they not like it? Mm -hmm. You know, well, well, and that, that should that be addressed should be engaged early. in it. That should well, be addressed well, in first grade. Well, exactly. Well, that's exactly what we what I talked about earlier. That the real dropout situation and the real academic uh, failure situation happens at the second, third, and fourth grade, mm -hmm. and unfortunately. Communities have left it simply up to schools by themselves exactly. to fix mm -hmm. this problem, and schools can't fix this problem by themselves. And so at the second, third, and fourth grade levels, that's when there should be an influx of churches, of communities, of mm -hmm. social service organizations to rally around those boys because that 61% figure is real. 
and I and I people what don't happened? like statistics or may not want to uh, give them credence. All you got to do is walk up and down the streets. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is go to a Cook County jail, and you will see that 61% of black boys are dropping out of school, and that is totally unacceptable. And I mean, reading at a higher rate is the Latino community. You know, they face the same challenges, exactly. but one over. They face the linguistic challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, they're put into a classroom where um, they're forced to assimilate mm -hmm. into the language mm -hmm. that they know nothing about. And because they know nothing about that or they can't do it as immediately as expected, you know, they push the grade back mm -hmm. or they're seen as, you know, not very high. I mean, it's... But what happens to the children that are past that now, past the second grade, third grade, fifth grade, that are already in the system that are failing due to, to the curriculum and because the statistics say they can't keep up? With the other we races. need to give them supports and, as well. Uh, more, more supports, I'd say. Absolutely. We need, we need to have supports throughout not just elementary school and high school, but through college as well. Yes. Because Much many of these needed. young people go into college or go into careers and trades, and they still don't have the skills to succeed. And, and we're probably raising issues for a whole bunch of new programs <laughs> yeah. from here. Yes. We'd like to thank all of you yes. who stayed around uh, on the web to listen to uh, the additional part of the discussion, thanks to our panelists, thanks to the students, mm -hmm. uh, thanks to you all uh, very much for taking on some uh, big issues and, and frankly looking for big solutions. We've got, had an opportunity to talk to young people with some great ideas and some challenges. I hope everyone learned something today and maybe they'll take a step forward to help the young people out. So thanks for joining us everybody and we'll see you next time. Good night.